The Sports Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network are brought to you by mybookie.ag. This week only, mybookie.ag is offering you up to $200 in free bets using the promo code SGP200. A $200 free play bonus is yours with guess what? Only a one-time rollover requirement. Again, guys, that promo code SGP200 Play, win, and get paid at mybookie.ag. Inside Vegas is also brought to you by ESPN+. Plus. Log on to sportsgamblingpodcast.com and click the ESPN Plus banner to sign up for ESPN+. Plus. College football, exclusive UFC fights, MLB, soccer, you name it. Are you even really a sports fan if you don't have ESPN+. Plus? Welcome back to the Inside Vegas podcast. It is, it's been a long couple months. Dog days of summer are here. Baseball day in, day out grinding and football is almost here. We are welcoming on Fabian Summer. Catch, catch him on Twitter at Suma810, S-U-U-M-A-810. One of the brightest minds in the sports handicapping world, professional NFL analyst and better. The website suma.eu, S-U-U-M-A dot E-U. Since 2014, 361, 271, 57% plus 76 with an ROI of 11%. I usually call him robotic when I say that. And I say that term with endearment because at the end of the year, his record is usually the exact same 59% there or about. And we're going to break down the NFL offseason from an analytical standpoint. We're going to talk about how you can use Pythag to talk and look into how lucky teams were, what their expected win totals should be. And of course, we're going to break into the season win total market and look at what the analytics department has to say when it talks about season win totals. We talk about a couple different ones in there. Houston, Philadelphia, um, and kind of the the biggest ones that stood out uh, when you break it down, when you take your eyes out of it and look at it from a numbers perspective. Again, this is Fabian Summer talking NFL offseason analytics. Joining me on Inside Vegas, one of the brightest minds in the football industry. We always kind of joke when we talk off, off of air, my friend, about how you are probably the most robotic handicapper in the world. And what I mean by that, I mean it, one is a compliment. At the end of the year, I'm going to look up and you're going to be at 58 beating closing line value. And you are probably the definition of a sharp in the way that most people look at the term. My friend Fabian Summer coming on Inside Vegas. Follow him on Twitter. His Twitter timeline right now is an absolute goldmine of analytical nuggets, team previews that are up there. Follow all of his work at summa.eu. That is S-U-U-M-A dot E-U. Twitter at summa810, S-U-U-M-A 810. I know it's late over there in Germany, my friend. How is everything over there? Christian, thanks for having me on the show again. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, everything is fine. I'm just counting the days until NFL starts again. It's really hot over here. I think we have like um, 100 degree, degrees Fahrenheit in Germany this week. Uh, pretty hot. And yeah, just um, like I said, just counting the days until football. Yeah, man. God, it's been a long summer, a long grind, um, you know, without it. And it is almost here, man. And you have been doing some amazing work, man, putting out these team previews. You have, uh, you know, kind of a, a little bit of everything approach, I think. 
much like Whale that we had on the, uh, the podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, from the purely, you know, he's a big schedule guy when it comes to the letdown spots that he's able to find. You even dig a little bit deeper than that, man, and, and kind of into the, you know, what went into a team's season prior is kind of the biggest, you know, how I would explain your offseason handicapping. When you look at this NFL offseason, one, what is kind of, you know, explain on your approach a little bit more when it comes to, you know, what that means for a team going forward, season win totals, and just kind of how you look at an NFL offseason as it shapes the current NFL season upcoming? Um, yeah, I see. I think the, the first step is um, studying the, the past performance of the, of the past season, like you have already mentioned. Um, I think to me, it's very important to understand why a team had this specific record. Um, did they overperform? Did they underperform? Um, what led this team to go 11-5? Um, for, for instance, um, if we go with the Detroit Lions, um, for instance, I think until week nine or 10, they were four and six. Um, they were pretty good offensively. And then all of a sudden, their season went down the toilet. And um, obvious reasons, um, their play calling wasn't really good. And they lost Marvin Jones and Golden Tate during the season. And um, Matt Stafford had a broken back. And um, yeah, every, everything went down and um, I think they finished the season 5-11, but they were just closer to a 6-10 team. And I think that should be like your starting point when studying the offseason. So um, people always look at past records, but um, there's a lot that goes into that record, especially when you have a season with just uh, 16 games, uh, very small sample size, and teams can have uh, very good luck, very bad luck, uh, win a lot of close games, um, get carried by their defense, and this is all the stuff I'm looking at, and um, I, I basically want to get a baseline to say, hey, this team went 10-6 and six last year, but they were closer to an 8-8 team, so that is my starting point when studying the season, and um, yeah, a lot of that is uh, priced into the win totals already, like Pythagorean ex win expectations, um, and yeah, it's just, um, we just try to figure out uh, what's signal, what's noise, and uh, what is not priced into the win total, and what is not priced into a team during the offseason, and um, yeah, just finding underrated, overrated um, teams going forward. Is there a team out there when you look at their offseason that either you look at and say <clears throat> they, you know, um, when I was, we were looking at kind of the narrative and storylines of the NFL offseason, is there a team that really sticks out to you that did, a, you know, had a great offseason or one that really, you know, just had a really poor offseason, decided to blow it up or, or anything that really sticks out to you, you know, kind of team by team basis uh, for this current offseason that just was? I think the offseason that stood out the most to me was the one of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that this is going to be a playoff team. I don't think so. But I think we are going to see significant improvements over last year. I think last year, um, Josh Rosen, he was bad, but he was also in a terrible situation. Um, sometimes uh, when watching the games, I thought that this coaching staff had no clue what to do on the football field. Um, and um, during the offseason, they they just changed their approach completely. They signed Cliff Kingsbury, who brings a very exciting offensive philosophy to the NFL. Basically, everything what the analytics community has been preaching for the past uh, two to three re uh, years, pass-heavy, pass-heavy on early downs, um, um, running out of spread formations, out of pass formations, um, no huddle offense. 
Um, and they also drafted Kyler Murray with their first pick when they still had Josh Rosen. I think that was, and an, I, I just think it was an incredible mindset to say, hey, we, we took a quarterback last year, but we aren't satisfied. Um, we think Kyler Murray gives us a much better chance to win going forward. So um, we just pull the trigger and get our new franchise quarterback. And I think the Cardinals will be significantly improved on offense. Um, Callum Murray is still a rookie. He will make his uh, fair share of mistakes. And Cliff Kingsbury is a rookie NFL head coach. Um, I'm not expecting them to win 10, 11 games. But I think they will be vastly improved. And this is um, one of the teams I'm very excited about. Is there any team, when you talked in the beginning about, you know, if they overperform their record, if they underperform their record, any teams that really stick out to you that, you know, either you're looking at in the season win total market um, or just to go kind of game by game, um, any team that really overperformed their record last year or really underperformed it? Uh, there are several teams who overperformed. Um, for instance, the, the Houston Texans, they didn't overperform by much. But they had one of the easiest, maybe the easiest schedule in the league last year. Um, I, I tweeted something out last week. I think um, they played 11 games against non-playoff teams. Um, they went 9-2 and two, and they faced like the worst quarterback group in the league. Um, and I think they also faced um, backup quarterbacks or rookies on that stretch like eight times. Um, Josh Allen, Nathan Peterman, um, Blake Bortles. Um, Josh, yeah, and, Cody Kessler, Brock Osweiler, Case oh, Keenum, Alex yeah. Smith, Colt McCoy, Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Blake Bortles. And again, just pulling this right off your Twitter timeline, that is an absolute goldmine, man. Texans won eight and two versus non-playoff teams last year and faced those quarterbacks. Yeah, so, um, and I think in their five playoffs, playoff, uh, in their five games against playoff teams, they went like two and three. Um, all those games were close, so they didn't have any quality win last year. And I also didn't like their play calling. For instance, they had maybe the worst offensive line in the league um, and they had a below average run game. Um, and Bill O'Brien called 59% runs on first and 10. And, he, and they were basically all the time running into a brick wall, which set up um, longer second and third downs for Deshaun Watson. And he was basically, basically carrying this team and he was also carrying Bill O'Brien's bad play calling. They also had some injury trouble with Kiki Kuti and um, Will Fuller. But overall, th this team, the way this team won against one of the easiest schedules in the league, against one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, that's not sustainable in the long run. And I think they are very set up for negative re regression next year. And they didn't um, upgrade their offensive line at all. They're going to play with Matt Khalil at left tackle and probably Titus Howard, an FCS tackle from the draft at right tackle. And I don't really know um, how this offensive line is going to do anything next year. And with the same approach by Bill O'Brien, I think I don't think this team is going to win more than eight games this next year. Wow, man. I mean, <clears throat> I think a lot of people are high on the Texans. Um, I think that Deshaun Watson is, you know, a great player in this league, but uh, that, that's a good take, man, for sure. Any other teams that either underperformed or overperformed that really stick out to you? Um, one of the teams that's really interesting going forward are the Steelers, and I think they are very um, underrated um, because they only won nine games last year. They lost Antonio Brown, and there's some crazy Brown hype going on. I think their Super Bowl odds went from like 41 to, to a 13 or 12 run. Um, 
and no one is really talking about the Steelers, but the Steelers, um, and this is what I what I've talked about earlier about um, understanding what, uh, how a team played the year the year before. Um, the Steelers went, I think, thirteen three in 2017 and I think 9-6-1 last year but if you look at their metrics and their efficiency and their performances they were basically the same team as they were in 2017 their offense was um, sli even slightly better than 2017 uh, even with our Le'Veon Bell um, but the defense didn't contribute in any way with turnovers I think um, just from a turnover efficiency and production standpoint It was their worst season, I think, like, uh, since 2011. Um, so the offense was pretty much alone. Um, and yeah, they also had um, bad luck. They won a lot of close games because in 2017 they won a lot of they won a lot of close games. I think they had a close game differential of plus six, and they were set up for negative re regression going into 2018. And they had this negative regression, and um, Going forward to 2019, we would expect them to to have more luck in those close games next year. And I think um, Antonio Brown uh, is one of the best receivers in the league. But actually, last year the connection between Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, based on an based on an efficiency standpoint, as measured by expected points added per pass, was the worst season I think in Antonio Brown's career for the Steelers. So they aren't really they are losing a lot of production. But I don't think they won't be able to compensate that going forward. They have some some nice young receivers who gotta step up. Um, and yeah, losing Tony Brown hurts. But I think they are very underrated. This is basically a very good offense, um, a very solid def defense, veteran coaching staff. They still have Ben Ben Roethlisberger, and I think they are very underrated going through the season. I think the Browns are currently the the favorites to win the. AFC North, and I think um, that should be the case. Let's talk about the Browns, man. <clears throat> very polarizing team a little bit. What I mean by that is just I think the public is very, very high on them for a lot of reasons. Is there, I mean, what is your take on what Cleveland did this offseason? Obviously, they are the talk of the, you know, offseason in the league with the moves that they've done, basically, you know, rehauling this franchise in, you know, two years in a Baker Mayfield selection. You know, to me, look, you know my theory that first-year quarterbacks in the playoffs are probably my favorite, you know, bet-against moment in the NFL. Um, but, you know, how you, I got to see you prove it before I'm going to put my money behind it, and I think that plus 125 or plus 150, whatever it is, to win the division for Cleveland is just so, so low. That you're going to get a better number in season if they falter or if uh, Pittsburgh, you know, kind of figures it out for a little bit. Um, do you kind of agree with this or do you think that Cleveland is kind of, you know, worthy of all this public hype? It's the number one uh, Super Bowl liability for books across the board. Um, I can't completely agree with you on this. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I think they are on the right track. Absolutely. But the hype uh, with um, being the, the most bad team for the Super Bowl is just ridiculous in my opinion. Um, it's still a very young team with a rookie head coach, um, with an offensive line that has probably uh, three weak spots. Um, their defensive coordinator is Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes is a very zone-heavy coach. Um, he called, the, I think, the second-most zone plays last year in the NFL. And their outside cornerbacks like Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, they are fantastic man coverage players. And um, I don't think defensive coordinators tend to completely make a 180-degree 
um, turn in their approach, in their philosophy. And if Steve Wilkes is going to play a lot of zone, I think these corners will struggle. And that secondary overall isn't very good on paper. Um, they have an incredible front seven, but um, you still got to cover your man, um, your opposing wide receivers, so the pass rush um, can get home. And I think these are the two most concerning points for me. And again, they don't play in a very scrub division. They don't play in the AFC East. I think and the Ravens and the Steelers, as mentioned, are very underrated and they will give the Browns a very good fight for their money. And um, also, it, it's funny that last season when um, Freddie Kitchens took over and Greg Williams took over as head coach, the um, Browns went 5-3. and three. So that's not incredibly great to say. And their Pythagorean win expectations during during that stretch of um, of five wins was, um, I think, 4.2. So they were just expected to win 4.2 games and they won five. So it wasn't that that stretch to end the season was that amazing. And um, yeah, I think they aren't in such an easy easy position like the public thinks they are and i think they are going to have um, a very very big fight to to make the playoffs next year i agree man i want to talk to you about one more team in particular before we kind of shift on over to season win totals and, and kind of how you kind of go about handicapping that i want to talk about the kansas city chiefs definitely taking some you know under money at that 10 and a half win spot um, you know me, man. I look, I try to make things as simple as I can. And I look at, you know, a couple season win totals when they first were hung really stuck out to me. That seemed a little bit low. The first were the Rams. Um, I just think that they're, look, I get the Super Bowl hangover theory, uh, for sure. I believe every single team in the last 10 years, other than the Patriots went under their season win total after a Super Bowl loss. So that is certainly a trend I'm not going to try to get in front of and buck. But when we look at the Chiefs at 10 and a half wins, man, I mean, it seems a little bit low to me for what this team is. Now, I know they have no defense, but I also feel that you um, have a pretty strong take on this Kansas City team and kind of, you know, their regression that is coming. And, and I guess my question to you is, why is the offensive regression coming? Just because we never really saw an offense, you know, like this one come. I, you know, LA does come to mind last year as well in, in that infamous 100-point game. Um, but why are you a little bit down on the Kansas City Chiefs and agree with the market move of under 10.5 wins? Um, so the Chiefs won 12 games last year and it was an amazing season to watch with Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP. I think he had like 50 touchdowns. It was a very great season to watch, but I had them closer to an 11-5 win team um, than a like 13 win team. And going to the next season, I think there has to be offensive regression because um, it's it's really, really hard to reproduce such an offensive performance like the Chiefs had in 2000, um, 2018. For example, in um, expected points added per, per pass, they had the second best season since two, 2009. And the only better team were the um, 2011 Packers. And I think in 2012, everyone believed that the Packers would just continue to be awesome on offense. And they regressed heavily in 2012, even with Aaron Rodgers. And basically every defense that had over uh, 0.3 EPA per pass in one season, they, they regressed heavily the next season. And there's, there's just no evidence to suggest that the Chiefs will be able to, to reproduce that offensive performance. Um, and the next point is, Football Outsiders, very very awesome awesome website, analytics website. They 
um, create their adjusted interceptions table during the offseason. So they go through every pass of every quarterback and they basically chart, hey, that was an interception, but that, the, this pass should have been intercepted. Like the quarterback was throwing the ball straight to a defender and the defender just, just dropped it or the receiver had to make a play so that the defender couldn't um, catch the interception. And Patrick Mahomes, the, he had incredible interception luck. Um, there were like, I think, nine passes that should have been intercepted and defenders or guys like Terry Hill just made a play so that the ball isn't intercepted. And I just think to have such an amazing season the Chiefs had last year, it takes a lot of luck. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is great. I think he's going to be um, one of the best quarterbacks going forward. But even the best quarterbacks in this league struggle to put together two amazing seasons back to back. And um, then we come to my third point. Um, if this offense um, regresses next season, what I think they will, they don't have the defense to compensate it. Um, they have, I think, a, a pretty good pass rush, but their linebackers and their secondary is just significantly below average on paper. I think Pro Football Focus graded the Chiefs secondary second to worst going to the season. And um, I can't really disagree a lot with the take. Maybe they are not the second worst, but they are significantly below average. And when your offense can't put up, um, or when Mahomes don't doesn't put up 50 touchdowns next year, you need your defense to step up. And it's fun. It's funny. It's a fun fact that this defense was bad last year on a per, per play basis, but they also had 27 turnovers and they added the fourth highest win probability of all defenses in the league with their turnovers. So this defense, despite playing bad, they had some incredible leverage plays that contrib contributed to winning football games. And I think just putting all together, um, I can't believe the Chiefs are easily going to win 12 games again, also because they are going to have quite a difficult schedule. I would call it a top 10 schedule. Um, with games like Chargers twice, Ravens, Patriots, Coles, NFC North with Rodgers, with the Vikings, with the Bears. Um, so I think they're going to have a very hard season. They, they will still have an elite offense, but just not that great like in 2018. And that's why I think um, they the, the move to the under 10.5 is justified. All right, man, let's shift over to season win totals, and I want to get your kind of background on them for a little bit. Um, you know, the words that you're talking about and throwing around there, I want you to kind of dig into a little bit more. Um, you know, Pythagorean when it comes to what makes a team lucky or not and kind of what goes into those uh, type of things for you. Um, you know, Pythagorean wins, kind of explain for anyone that doesn't know out there kind of the gist of it um, in the cliff notes of what goes into, a, you know, making up a Pythagorean uh know theory for uh, NFL football where it says this team won 12 games but in reality uh, they're closer to a 10 win team and you know the Pythagorean says 10 wins instead of the 12 or vice versa they you know won eight but they should have been a 10 win team or, or how, whatever the case is yeah yeah exactly so um, Pythagorean win expectation is based on point differential and it just says that um, when a team scored this amount of points and they conceded this amount of points over 16 games, they are expected to win X games. Um, and yeah, I think Pythagorean win expectations is the easiest way to, or let's say the first step to determine um, 
whether a team under or overperformed. Um, if the Pythagorean win expectations um, ranges um, around, let's say, plus minus 1.5, that's not really a great indicator. But there were some teams, I think, I think the Cowboys had like overperformed by three games last season. When I remember right, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, so I think um, this is the first indicator one should look at. Um, and you see that the the Pythagorean win expectations is pretty much priced into the market. Um, so, for instance, uh, the Houston Texans, um, the line opened 8.5 and they won 11 games last year. And then it becomes clear that um, people who bet win totals, they saw, oh, this team overperformed and they're going to play a tough schedule next season. And they haven't really addressed their weaknesses. So... Um, under 8.5 is a pretty good bet. And I think that's basically the thought process for, for most bettors who are um, attacking win totals. When you look at strength of schedule, is this, you know, do you look at it simply in the fact of what were the opposing teams? Um, you know, if you look at, I don't know, pick a team, let's say the Texans, and you look at their strength of schedule and you, you know, just add up the wins and losses. Do you use the Pythagorean wins and losses as their actual, you know, to how to grade strength of schedule? How do you go about grading a team's strength of schedule for the upcoming season? Um, couple of things. First of all, I basically let the Pinnacle win win totals markets do the work for me um, i just um, take all the current lines from the win totals at pinnacle uh, uh, pinnacle <laughs> uh, because it's um, yeah it's the sharpest bookmaker out there and they always have the most efficient closing lines so um, uh, with every line move we expect the the win totals to get sharper over the summer and yeah, I, I take those win totals. Um, I calculate the true win totals uh, adjusted for, for the Jews. So let's say um, the, the um, Texans are, I think the under is 8.5 and like 140. So the true under is somewhere at 8.2. And I take those true win totals and I calculate strength of schedule based on these win totals. I'm just saying um, team A is expected to uh, win 9.2 games next year and all their 16 opponents um, will get 9.2 wins on their on their schedule and um, that way i calculate strength of schedule and yeah pinnacle closing totals um it's not a hundred percent predictor obviously but pinnacle closing lines have some signal in it and um, you can very well use it to um, calculate strength of schedule um, for instance, last season, I think they had the Texans with the um, easiest or second easiest schedule, and they ended up having the, I think, second easiest schedule in the league. So, um, um, yeah, let's say Aaron Rodgers goes down and the Packers don't win nine, but they win five games. So the strength of schedule for every AFC, uh, NFC North team takes some damage. Um, obviously, but I think um, taking those pinnacle win totals gives you a very good grasp about um, whether a team is facing a particular strong or weak schedule in 2019. And the next part is um, I take a look at 2018 efficiency metrics. Um, for instance, um, offense is more sticky from year to year than defense. Um, defense is not very predictable, so I more look at um, offensive efficiency and say um, this team... A is predicted to play the, let's say, fifth hardest schedule 
defensive schedule in terms of 2018, let's say, EPA per offensive play. And yeah, I put those things together and that gives me a pretty good hint um, about where I should think that schedule is going to rank by the end of, of the next season. Obviously, um, um, I'm, I'm not saying, hey, I'm 100% sure that the Texans are going to play the, the toughest schedule next year, but um, it's very likely that the Texans um, are going to play a top five or top eight schedule next year. How do you quantify the word luck? I find this is a fascinating conversation with NFL handicappers and, and kind of purists like yourself. Is it as simple as turnover differential, close game wins, or kind of what goes into your formula to determine, you know, how many teams a game or how many games a team got lucky on and kind of that situation as well? Because I find that that is one that you have really dug into over the years. Um, yeah, basically everything that's not sustainable by skill, I would say. Um, for instance, the Bears were extremely lucky that they played an easy schedule overall and their defense was just amazing. Um, I think their defense had 34 turnovers and um, the offense wasn't really that good. The offense was like average overall and um, teams who win a lot of games because of their defense and not because of their offense, um, that's not really sustainable in the long run. You need a, a sticky good offense um, going forward and um, their, their defensive performance is obviously going to regress. So last season they were, let's say, kind of lucky to win 12 games because um, what they did isn't usually sustainable in the long run. And um, we can go on with close games. Close games is a very good indicator because close games generally um, are 50-50 affairs in the long run. Um, I think um, they are um, in the past 10 years, there are two teams like the Colts and the Patriots who tend to beat the trend going forward. Um, I think the Colts had um, a great close game differential in 2012 and 2013, and they didn't really regress. But but those two teams were the only examples, when I remember right, over over like the, 10, uh, the last 10 to 20 years. So... When a team wins a lot of close games in one season, they are expected to, to win um, much fewer close games um, going forward because in one close game, if one possession um, defines whether you win or lose, you didn't really play well during the 60 minutes. Um, you could lose because of a fumble. You could win because of a last-minute interception. And that's not the kind of stuff that's um, sticky um, from year to year. Um, yeah, so um, the next thing I'm looking at is... Um, um, let's say, um, higher leverage plays. For example, the Cowboys last year, um, they were solid on defense and not so solid on offense. And Dak Prescott was playing like a below average quarterback, but he had a lot of um, higher leverage plays like um, a, a quick slant uh, to a Mary Cooper and he take, he makes two defenders and takes it home for 60 yards for a touchdown. Th these are these are high leverage plays. You don't expect a team to to repeat um, over the long run. And yeah, these are, this is basically the kind of stuff I'm looking at. Yeah, man, you break it down so well. And again, your handicapping record speaks to this, um, you know, 2014 to last year, 361, 271. Like I told you, 57.1% plus 76 and 11% ROI, man. So 
One of the brighter minds in the industry, again, talking with Fabian Starmer, talking NFL offseason news and notes and kind of how to go about handicapping, you know, beginning to handicap your season win totals. I want to get into that market, man. Uh, there's a couple that I really, you know, am kind of eyeing out there, a couple moves I've already made. And to me, Green Bay really probably had the best offseason, um, top to bottom. You know, I guess, you know, you know, obviously throw Cleveland in there as well. Um, but Green Bay did a lot of things right. And I think there's a narrative building here, especially if this is probably going to be my first play for NFL week one. If you look at what happened last year with Nagy coming in and you look at that first half against Green Bay and Green Bay not knowing how to set the edge, not having the personnel to set the edge against Trubisky, who ran all over the place. Um, they're probably the second fastest defense in the league next to Dallas, in my estimation now. And I think that the, the script is 180 degrees flipped, you know, making for a Green Bay uh, kind of first half play in, you know, uh, week one where nobody's going to know LaFour's offense, um, uh, Chicago included yet, you know, now green Bay knows that. And, and they were, or knows Chicago's offense. They were able to, you know, kind of gear their personnel towards that type of division. And it'll really help them, you know, come playoff time as well. Trubisky's kind of the only mobile quarterback in that division outside of, of course, Rogers. Um, so I think, you know, you're really going to see, a little bit of the what is going on with Green Bay. I think this offense is going to really, really surprise people with the new look and getting that toxic relationship out of there. And I think that the, I believe it's nine and a half. Uh, yep, not over nine and a half even right now as I look at my book at G for their Green Bay. That was one that really stuck out to me. And um, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how much I got to kind of pimp that, but Green Bay really sticks out to me as one is, is I guess, first of all, do you kind of agree with that situation? And what is your take on the, you know, the off season that was for Green Bay? And then we'll break into kind of your, um, either over or under is kind of a couple of season win totals besides Houston uh, that really stick out to you. Um, I can agree with you. Um, I love the Packers off season. Um, I think on, on paper, this is a very good offense and they, I think they vastly improved their, their defense. They, they strengthened their pass rush. They got two new safeties, Adrian Amos, Amos and Daniel Savage, who can exclusively play um, the slot and near the box. Um, and it's also like under the, four, the three, uh, four, three, 40 guys too, if I remember right. So the, this defense is going to yeah, fly, incredible. Man. Yeah, absolutely. And they also have, um, last year's first and second round picks, Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander, who got to probably take a next step in 2019. Um, and it's Mike Patton's second year as defensive coordinator. Um, so overall, I think this defense compared to the last two seasons, um, I think it would be a major jump if they can just be average for Aaron Rodgers to capitalize of that. Um, I think the Packers are a team with a wide range of outcomes. And I think the, the biggest problem is, will Aaron Rodgers buy into Matt LaFleur's system? Because that system um, basically limits him in the way that he won't be able to make a lot of out-of-structure plays. I think Matt LaFleur is interested in in making him more plays in, within structure. And I think if Aaron Rodgers buys into Matt LaFleur's offense, I th this, this can be one of the best offenses in the league, hands down. Um, if he doesn't buy into Matt LaFleur and he plays a little, he plays like a diva and his ego is in front of him, I think um, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be that optimistic about that season. But I think really, um, if Aaron Rodgers buys into that system and he stays healthy, I think this offense can be really really good and the Packers could win a lot of football games next year. But um, I just wanna wanna see it first, and I just wanna see Aaron Rodgers buying into a 
38 um, year old um, head coach. Definitely, man. Any season win totals that really stick out to you? This is the this is where we can monetize all of the, all of your handicapping and information, man. I know you talked about Houston. Um, we were talking about Philly prior to this. Any other ones? Or I guess we could talk about Philly if that one uh, does stick out to you. Let's talk about an over um, and an under before I get you out of here. Um, yeah, I I really like the Eagles going to 2019. Um, I took them at over 9.5 at I think minus 130 in early May. And yeah, the line already moved to 10 uh, in the meanwhile. And um, I think the Eagles are, are still underrated, even though their win total is approaching 10. Um, they get um, Carson Wentz back healthy. They have um, maybe the best offensive line in the league. They have Alshon Jeffrey. They have maybe the best tight end punch in the league. Um, they have um, drafted uh, JJ Asiga Whiteside, who could be a red zone threat. Um, they have Doug Peterson, and this time they have some continuity in their coaching staff. Um, and they play one of the easiest schedules in the league. I think I have them with a, a bottom five schedule, so, so a top five easiest schedule. Um, and I think they also play in, in one of the weaker divisions out there with the Redskins and the Giants. Um, that should be 4-0 to start the season. And, and I really think this team should get a bye week next next year. Is there a team that you really like on the underside of things for season win totals? Um, yeah, let me check. Um, I like the under for the Redskins. Yeah, uh, it, it was the Redskins. Um, I just think this organization is in complete disarray. Um, I think Jay Gruden is already on the hot seat. Um, there were rumors that he wasn't even involved in free agency. Um, it's a rookie head coach, um, their best offensive lineman and probably the best left tackle in the league, Trent Williams, is holding out and is not expected to play in week one. Um, the receiving corp is below average at best. Um, yeah, their defense might be solid, but with, with, with this setup, and, and what I hate about them is that this is going to be still a, a run-first offense. Jay Gruden likes to run the ball. Um, and they're already discussing how to to distribute the ball to Chris Thompson and Darius Geis so they can give um, carries to a rested 33-year-old Arian Peterson. Um, so um, their approach to, to football in 2019 seems rid ridiculous to me. Um, I think Jay Gruden um, has has um, some of the better passing concepts in the league, but he's just so in love with running the football and just imagine Adrian Peterson running the ball for 3.8 yards per carry and Dwayne Haskins um, going for it on third and eight all the time. Um, I just don't see how this team is, is not going for a high draft pick next year. I like it, man. Well, this is kind of our first look at, you know, way too early season win totals, how to go about handicapping it again, man. I want people to follow you on Twitter because you are one of the best NFL followers out there at Suma810, S-U-U-M-A-810. The website, Suma.eu, S-U-U-M-A dot E-U. I can't thank you enough for taking the time, buddy. Um, anything else to plug? Anything else where people can find your work and all that for the upcoming season? I want to give you the floor. Um, yeah. Um, so basically, if you want to follow all my game analysis and my picks, um, you can sign up on my site for my season package. It includes um, weekly picks, uh, win totals, um, several um, 
team tributes that are behind a pay paywall. Um, and yeah, then when the season starts, a weekly game analysis, um, um, I will have um, like five to six bigger write-ups every week on, on the games um, I play and I release. And um, I will have quick notes and thoughts for the rest of the card. And I give betting advice. Um, I give I give out leans um, and all the stuff. And yeah, you can sign up at um, suuma.eu. And like you said, you can also find me on Twitter at suuma810. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again, man. Good luck on this upcoming season. I'm sure we'll talk between now and then uh, with everything. And again, go follow him on Twitter. One of the best follows out there. All the team previews are posted on his timeline, man. Good luck this year. We'll talk soon, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Christian. Special thank you again to Fabian Summer coming on talking analytics in the NFL offseason department with season win totals, pie thag, luck, strength of schedule, and everything included. As always, guys, mybookie.ag, your presenting sponsor for the Inside Vegas podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Use that promo code SGP. 50 was the old one for you get a 50% deposit bonus, but guess what? My bookie is upping the stakes this week. Only if you make your first deposit at mybookie.ag, you get $200 in free bets with the promo code S G P 200. And do not forget they are running their own super contest, five picks against the spread. No VIG $100 entry. All the prize pool goes to the winner. And we are brought to you by ESPN plus stream stream live events, sports, on ESPN Plus, watch college football, college basketball, soccer, MLB, and of course, exclusive deal with UFC for exclusive fights. Watch on your phone, tablet, or TV. ESPN Plus is what I have up all day in my house when it is MLB season, as well as UFC. Only $4.99 a month and cancel anytime. Mm -hmm.